Stephanie Thornton Plymail's lineage represents a sort of inverse American dream. Growing up, her life was full of hardship, neglect, hunger, poverty, homelessness, truancy, foster homes, a harrowing lack of medical care, ongoing sexual abuse, and a perpetually absent mother, one who was given a diagnosis of a so-called mental illness, who was in and out of jails and psych wards. After her mother becomes terminally ill, Plymail embarks on a series of interviews to find answers. To get her mother to take personal responsibility for the past, the two embark on a journey of discovery in the book American Daughter, as a series of shocking revelations forces Stephanie to see every aspect of her painful childhood and her mother with fresh eyes. And she's here to speak to us about this book and her journey. And thank you so much, Stephanie. It's such a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very powerful story. Tell us why you decided to write this book and, and to share your personal story, because there is a lot of personal pain here. Well, that's right. There was so much personal pain that was in me for so many years. And I was silent, mute, and full of shame for so many years. I mean, I had this external um, success that you saw as a CEO, wife, mother, on and on and on. But inside was this story and it was, and it was just eating me up. So I wanted to share my story and simultaneously my mother was diagnosed with a terminal illness. I needed to find out what happened. How could I have lived through this childhood that was so horrific, like a kidnapping? So I went in for a series of interviews to get answers. I was going in and talking to mom and also to hold her accountable. There was that part of me that, that thought she needed that before she died. But then what ended up happening through the process of those interviews, um, when I found out the horrific crime that happened against her and what she went through in 1953, that motive changed to then understanding. And this is how my book, American Daughter, started. Right. And it's really a tale of forgiveness or what it takes to reach forgiveness in many ways. Tell us a little bit about the beginning of your life, a little more about all the things that, that you went through and, and how you managed to make it out of that to become a CEO. I do like to talk about the fact that when I was living on the beach in the back of the car with my siblings and we basically lived like scavengers, like animals outside, we, we went to the bathroom outside, we ate what was around us, whether it was seaweed or whatever they brought back to us. But honestly, I was with my siblings and I didn't hate it. I wasn't unhappy there. And then we went to live in a motel, which was heaven because it was the first time I had had a bed. But it wasn't until the police arrested my mother and they took us to a place called the Dependent Unit in California, which is essentially a prison for children. And then on to the most horrific foster home I'd ever, any home I'd ever been in. And the separation of my siblings is when everything in my mind was horrific and fell apart. And then I was in and out of foster care, foster homes and homelessness all the way up until I got married. I met my husband when I was 15, my first year of high school. And he was the first person I shared my childhood with. And at that point, my husband was like, well, I'm never leaving your side. And he never did. <laughs> 35 years later. So I do really feel like he had a big part in in, in kind of saving my life, for sure. He, he's just been there for me through everything. Now, this also was originally a self-published project. 
And then it got picked up by Harper One, which I think had to, had to have been very exciting for you. But it's described as a meditation on home and what it means to survive, to rise above, to heal, and ultimately to forgive. Tell us about your journey with your mother and how you were able to forgive her. So during these interviews, these interviews just didn't happen overnight. This was actually two years. I was going in and talking to my mom while my mom was outliving every doctor's book alive. She had terminal lung cancer. And amazingly, she lived for two years. I'd given her six months, which was wonderful because not only were we able to get through and talk about everything and process everything before she died, but then I also got to be by her side all the way until she passed. So in those last months, I got to be with her and I got to have the relationship with her that I always wanted. And I feel like my mom and I really found love um, in the end. And um, we started, we were estranged because of a stalking order because she had tried to threaten to kill me, burn my house down and my family all the way to the end where we were together in a place of forgiveness and love before she died. Before the stalking order, my mom tried to take my kids from school and I, I was terrified because she has three personalities and one personality, her name is Flo. She would say it's F-L-O-W, which was different than how she spelled her name. And that personality, Flo, was so dangerous and could do anything. When she was that personality, she would be in and out of jails, in and out of psych words, and she was threatening to kill me. So she was arrested, and the police put a stalking order between us, and she wasn't able to be for a 1,000 feet. I don't remember how many feet exactly. So our relationship was over. I thought I would never see my mom again, and I was crushed. Had I not gone in for those interviews, I would never have found out what happened to her. I never would have found this unbelievable heritage that I have, and I never would have had this complete and total forgiveness and this relationship with my mother that I always longed for. And what did you find out about your mother that changed the story for you? She revealed to me that she was the victim of an abduction and gang rape in 1953. And she said, you know, it's in all the papers. And we found these articles, multiple articles of what had happened to her. And um, yeah, so she was taken and held captive for 10 days and then um, and, and gang raped and then put into a home for, for wayward girls, which is how they treated victims back then. She miscarried because she got pregnant. And then basically her life became just a tragedy. She went from being coming from one of the most prestigious families in our country to being this girl who then went on to have multiple children with multiple fathers, being a drug addict, completely mentally ill in, in every aspect, you know, all the way up until, until she, till we did this work and she passed away. And do you feel like when your relationship healed with her that there were pieces of her that were healed in that process? I saw a transformation because my mom, in the end, didn't need to have those other personalities. She was just herself. And she was so sweet. And some people might say it's the, the cancer has gone to her brain, but I just I believe a transformation happened. And it completely happened in our relationship, 100%. And then you found out that your mother also had somewhat of a hidden secret 
and that she'd come from money and, in fact, one of the most prestigious families in the country. What was that like? Or tell us about that. So my grandmother is Elizabeth Betty Washington, who is George Washington's sister. So she's my sixth great-grandmother. And so um, in, the, in the lineage, and so George Washington would be my uncle. And so that lineage starts with that family, but it's, that family dynamic is all the way through history. Um, you know, so many things of, that they've done, like starting so many institutions and being educators. And, and I'm an educator. I own these design schools called Heritage, not knowing that my grandfathers were all professors at the universities, which made me feel like they were always with me. To find out that our family was the Iron Dynasty, that my grandparents created Harvard and the University of Virginia and John Hopkins University, to have this unbelievable lineage when you're told that you're from rape your entire life, which is what my mom did to me. And basically, I never had a cousin, an uncle, and to find out this is, it was just, it was just, I can't even describe how amazing it has been and such a wonderful discovery of learning about them and finding all their books that have been written and just knowing that these are my grandparents. And I was always treated like a nothing and a nobody my entire life, but then come to find out this is my family <laughs> who, who created all these institutions and that's really, truly amazing. Uh, when your mom first told you this, did you think this has just got to be impossible? There's no way. Oh, I just thought it was complete garbage. I just thought my whole life, I was, my mother would be in the back of a police car or in a straight jacket yelling, how dare you? I'm a direct descendant of George Washington. And my family built this country. She would be screaming this out in her delusion, what we thought. But come to find out, it was true. We thought she was crazy, but in the end, she was right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) In the end, she was actually right. She was absolutely right. Wow. Have you been able to make contact with your original family members now? And what has that been like? Well, I'll tell you what's been wonderful. I found my father's family. I found my family. I now have cousins that I love. My mother had a brother, my uncle Alan, and I found him. And he's now part of my life. And I have this wonderful uncle. And I just brought, I just brought this family back. You know, the story makes me emotional. The story brought my family all back together, which is beautiful. Yeah, it really is. That was what struck me the most about your story was this idea that it's ultimately a story about family and home, and the importance of that. Yeah. And, um, and how much our system can divide them. And, that inter- and the intergenerational trauma aspect of my story between my mother and me and her mother. And, you know, I was driving to a book event the other night, and I just realized that intergenerational peace is broken now. It doesn't have to continue, that cycle. You know, you, you can be that bro- the cycle that breaks it for that next generation. I know I have a beautiful relationship with my daughter, and she'll have a beautiful relationship with her daughter, hopefully. And, you know, breaking that cycle is what you can do to help fix this. How do you think it became so broken in, in that I know your mother came from a particular generation 
after the rape. Yeah. What do you attribute the brokenness to that took place? Well, you know, when I look back at my, my family and my mother's mother, I really feel like a lot of the brokenness started there because my grandmother married a chauffeur, which was out of high society. She married her chauffeur, which is scandalous, right? So my grandparents, the Thorntons, they disowned her. They used that word disowned. And I think that's really where the family started to to fall apart even before my mother. And I think my mother was a product of that. And I think that's the intergenerational trauma aspect. And I really feel like that's where my grandparents went wrong. And I feel like if they could do it over, I just, my sense in knowing them now, they would never have done that, you know, and it was just part of that high society that they came from, which was exclusive and not inclusive. Um, And I think, I think that's a part of it. And then my grandma just being rebellious and then, and then my mother not getting the help and the medical help that she needed after that gang rape. That was, and and not not being able to go back to her home, not being able to go back to her school. So you can imagine how much shame was just poured on top of that trauma to create my mom. If you just tuned in, we've been speaking with Stephanie Thornton Plymail. She is co-author of the book American Daughter, a memoir of intergenerational trauma, a mother's dark secrets, and a daughter's quest for redemption. Yeah, how, how much do you think the system sometimes actually inadvertently or unwittingly contributes to, even still today, contributes to that break in families that can happen? I mean, there's so much to talk about here because, first off, psychiatric wards, psych wards are hell on earth. This is not a place of healing. This is not, this is horrific places. I've been to everyone in our state with my mother. That's broken. First off, she didn't get therapy. She didn't get the real kind of mental health treatment that you actually need. I feel like if we could help heal people um, with these mental health challenges, I think that could be a huge change. Um, Obviously, our homelessness problem that we have right now is, for me, really horrific. And we're not taking care of the problems of the mental health and drug addiction that are going to create people being homeless. I mean, people are homeless for a lot of reasons, but I think that could really help. Would have helped us, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And how about the foster care system? Obviously, you were in and out of that. How did? What are your feelings on that? So, you know, I feel like I fell through every crack. And I, I swear, right now, I don't know how it was even possible to fall through every crack. I was placed in a place called a dependent unit. Like I said, it's like a prison. Then to the most horrific foster home who was just basically using girls for sex. Um, That's going on. And nobody ever asked me, are you safe here? Is anything happening to you? Nobody ever asked me. For me and my experience, I felt like a nothing and a nobody in the foster care system. And I think that's a lot of how these children feel. I mean, I think it's 70% of foster kids end up on the street and in prison. So this isn't working either, this this system. It didn't work for me. I know there's a lot of wonderful foster parents out there, so I'm not throwing the whole thing out. But it really wasn't a system that worked for me or my siblings at all. When we were all separated, 
my oldest brother, Alan, went to a horribly abusive foster home. He was beat on a regular basis. My sister and my brother were also abused. My little brother, he went to a beautiful foster home. They loved him. They didn't want to give him up, but then they had to give him back to my mother, who we just ended up in the back of a car again. You know, there was no catch. And then we lived in a car moving, moving to Oregon. Where was the system checking in? You know, where was the system helping my mother or helping us? I mean, I was illiterate until I was 11 years old. I couldn't write my name because I was in and out of cars, foster homes, living through so much trauma. I do think I'm the norm, to be honest. I almost said I'm not the norm. The norm isn't to overcome as I have. The norm is to go into a situation where, you know, young girls who are in foster care, they end up being pregnant really young. And I get that because I wanted to start my own family. I wanted something to love, somebody to love, but you don't have the capacity to do that when you don't have that skill set. Um, when my mom, when I took guardianship of my mom, I told her I will never leave you. And I never did. I was there by her side, thick or thin through her mood swings, through everything. I stayed there with her as hard as it was because my mom and I, because of those interviews and we processed her rape, when when I first started talking to her about it, she tried to physically attack me and the police came and, and she, she was really going to, she was trying to hurt me because she couldn't handle the pain of me talking about it. All the way to the end, when my mom and I could sit and talk about what happened to her and she didn't have to become another personality to talk about it and act it out, she could just tell me about her feelings, which had never happened before. I really didn't set out to become my mom's therapist, to be honest. It just kind of happened. And I'm a naturally very inquisitive and I naturally love to ask questions. Of, and this was so imperative that I got the answers. And with my mom's personalities, I only had a certain amount of time because you can't, you can't press her too much because then she could morph into another person and that wasn't going to serve us. Um, and so I had to be really gentle. It's like a dance, you know, and, and you have to be careful. And, and, and also what was so beneficial to her being able to open up was that I got her the adequate care that she needed. She was getting wonderful food. She was getting her medication. She was being, I was loving her. The staff was loving her. Those are all elements to the human being that they need that she never got. So in order for me to do this work with her, to help her process, she had to have those things around her. And um, and I just kept going back. And even if it was painful, I'd say, oh, we're, we're okay, mom. Look, we're okay. And and you did this. And, and then eventually she was able to just talk about all this um, freely. Just just like because it was gone. The, the power of it was gone. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. And she used her one persona, so she had these different personas, so she used flow to intimidate and to keep people away and deflect and use anger and rage and crimes. And then, um, and then she had this other persona who was a little girl, and she used that to get pity. So she was living this out through these personas, and then in the end, she didn't need them anymore. You said there was also intergenerational trauma. Do you think that's something that we as a society need to do a better job of addressing? I do. I really do. I feel like, what if, what if after the rape, 
did did somebody come and help my mother in terms of giving her the health care, giving her the care she needed, giving her the love and acceptance and reading her of any shame that wasn't her, putting her back in school? You know, what what if this was a very different scenario? What, or what if this crime never happened? I never would be here. This story wouldn't be here. My mom would have gone on to be a doctor like the rest of the family. You know, she would have done all these things. And so that's the intergenerational trauma then happened. Then, and then it lived through me. It lived through my siblings. And then in my life, I said, no, I'm not going to have this. and I'm going to be different than what I see. And I stopped it. And I put the family back. Dang it. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but that, that's so important, right? And, and so in, yeah. in your world, after everything you've been through, how important is family? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I longed and longed for family. And, and it was sad a lot of times, even for my kids, because I would say to them, I don't have any family. And they'd be looking at each other like, what? What's, what's happening here? They didn't understand that not having parents, not having a background, not having heritage, not having all those things was family that I needed to get. I couldn't just, I tried to just overlook it and I tried to ignore it. And that's what created all these walls and anxiety and my own addictions around design and stuff. I was more addicted to like, what was my passion became like a drug. Do you know what I mean? Like that was more my thing, you know? And then, and then now, now my passion is my passion. It's, it's not a drug. It's just, it's what I love. Those layers and that work, I, I had to do that work in my own life. Because I, I don't believe it's fair to tell people who've been through this kind of trauma, you just have to forgive. It actually takes work and processing and coming together to forgive. And that's what we did together. I think understanding the trauma that she had endured start, and started this empathy for me and this ability to have compassion for her that was the starting point. But there was a moment when my mom said, Stephanie, we don't have that much in common, but we have one thing in common. We're both survivors. And that was the apology. That was everything. It was like she put me under that umbrella with her instead of excluding me and making herself this victim. We could actually be together. And and, and that that was it. And towards my mom never apologized. She never apologized. There was I don't think she did that. But in the end, it was, we didn't even need an apology. I didn't even need an apology. What I needed was to be close to her, to, to be able to love her. I was by her side all the way up until she died. And that was what I needed, not an apology. Just being a mother and a daughter. And that's what I got. If I was queen of the world... I would change the mental health system because I do believe that mental health, drug addiction, foster care, kids being homeless, I really feel like they're all connected. And so I would change mental health to start with it to to create community, safety, and health for every person. Um, That's what I would do. It would be mental health because that would ripple effect into everything. I don't want people to live with shame. I don't want people to have the story inside them that they think is too awful. And and then they have to live with all that pain and secrets. Let it out. Share it. It doesn't have to be a book. It can be a person, a therapist. um, And that's going to help you on those steps to overcoming. And one last thing is I always like to say is that you're not alone. 
If you just tuned in, we've been speaking with Stephanie Thornton Plymail. She is co-author of the book American Daughter, a memoir of intergenerational trauma, a mother's dark secrets, and a daughter's quest for redemption. How can people reach you if they want to find out more about your story or they want to get your book? So you can buy the book anywhere. They're at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, anywhere, any of your favorite retailers. You can um, you can follow me at Stephanie Thornton Plymail on Instagram. I love to connect with my readers. StephanieAmerican-Daughter.com um, is our website, and that has everything, all of the events and everything coming up. So you can you can definitely reach me. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a wonderful interview. Thank you.